know that's awkward sometimes because you're both saying it at the same time. You don't know what to do. Oh, I just love being in his presence, don't you? And that's really what we, that's why we come together. You know, the early church, they weren't, the early church wasn't about bringing lost people in so they could get saved. It was about all the saved people coming in, celebrating Jesus, honoring him, just drawing close to him, fellowshipping one with the other with the Lord. And it's kind of evolved into this, and that's okay. God, God knows what, he, he knows what, what he's doing, doesn't he? And uh, so if there are people here today, you don't know Jesus Christ, then this is your day. This is your appointment, you know, it's your appointment. And it's going to be your choice, but I'm going to tell you it's the best choice you'll ever make. Uh, apart from God, listen, life is, is, is just, you're dead. The Bible says we're just dead. So today we're going to talk about, you know, the 911 focus. I, I was getting the emails, and we participated with Cry Out America before, and they just said, man, could you devote 11 minutes to pray for your nation? I said, man, I know we can do that. Uh, we're doing our prayer movement every first Thursday of every month. We're getting gathering together all the churches that that just want to lift high and lift the name of Jesus up and and pray for our nation, for our city, for our teachers. Last month we prayed for our teachers, or this month we prayed for our schools, administrators, and all that. Uh, and this next uh, prayer movement is going to be at Martin Luther King Park on the first Thursday of October. I think that's somebody have a calendar and look that up for me. I think it's the fourth, maybe. But we're gonna. We encourage you guys, and y'all have been faithful to show up. It rained cats and dogs last last time, and people showed up to pray. And we're not gonna just because if it doesn't have a groundswell of thousands of people, God's called us to pray. And He said, if there are just two or three of you, He said, I'll show up. And so we're gonna continue to pray and lift up our city and our nation. Uh, we're in we're in these times of, like I said earlier, with this nine one one. It's a wake up call for us as a church. If my people humble themselves not if the america he said if my people will humble themselves there's a lot of americans that aren't his people they don't love him they don't believe in him they don't care about him but we're his people say i'm his people people. we're his peeps (laughs) well i started that peeps thing and he's in my pantry peeps and i was like peeps okay that works i guess if you have your bibles turn to psalm 91 this became a Kind of a go-to psalm after the uh, tragedy 15 years ago. How many of you remember where you were when that happened? It's kind of like when I was a kid, I remembered where I was when Kennedy was, was assassinated. Sixth grade at Reagan Elementary School, coming back from lunch, and our teacher had to tell us the news. Mary Lou and I had car trouble in the Longview. We don't remember why we were coming back through there, and we had to get a hotel room because of our car broke down. I had to call back to San Angelo to get somebody to come pick up our car and tow it. So we spent the night in this little hotel, and I'd gone down to the that morning. We're not really morning TV people, so I went down to the front desk, I guess, to pay or whatever, and they're all just standing there looking at the television. And so what's going on? They said, oh, man, there's a plane just flew into the World Trade Center. That was the first one. And so I immediately went back up to the room and said, honey, turn the TV on. So we, we were just glued to the television that morning watching the events unfold. Terror coming to the United States like never before on our ground, you know. And I thought, that's just like the enemy. He likes to intrude. He likes to come in. He likes to terrorize people. And we can talk about it on the bigger scale of terrorism, but today we're going to talk about the smaller scale of how the enemy comes to terrorize and attack God's people. 
Anybody been attacked lately? You know, the old saying, if you haven't, been, if you haven't met the devil head on lately, that might mean you're going the same direction. So it's not a bad thing when, when you're attacked. It's not a bad thing. It just says, hey, I'm, I'm, maybe it's probably a good thing that you're doing something right. But there are, there are a lot of conditions in the Bible. Did you know that? Uh, even that one from, from 2 Chronicles 7, it says, if my people, if, say if. It said, if my people will humble themselves and pray, if they'll seek my face, if they'll repent, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, then, he said, if you'll do that, I'll do this. And the Bible, throughout the word of God, God says, if you'll do this because you've done this, I'm going to do these things. And a lot of the church today, you know, even after 911, I mean, the churches were full. Man, you couldn't, you know, churches, all of a sudden people were, I'm getting back with Jesus, you know. And for a while, for weeks, maybe the churches were full. But guess what happened after so many weeks? A decline. People got comfortable again. And that's, that's somewhat what, ha- that's what happens to people. We kind of get comfortable even in our disassociation with the Lord at times. Even as Christians, we don't stay under the shadow. We don't, we don't abide like we should. And then we wonder why things happen in our life the way they happen. But God says there are conditions to my promises. And so when you're reading Psalm 91, now listen, this was not necessarily written by King David. A lot of people go, well, it must be King David. But really, there's no definitive mark that he wrote it. Many people believe that Moses wrote this psalm because it has a lot of uh, the flavor of what Moses wrote. So it's kind of cool that God said, no, I don't want this. I'm, I'm, I'm saving this one special. Nobody needs to know who wrote it except me <laughs> because God wrote it. Okay, he wrote all the scriptures, but this one in particular, he said, and what's so cool about this psalm is at the end of the psalm, he speaks directly to us. Many times he just spoke through people. He, throw, he spoke through the psalmist. And, and, but at the end of this, it, he speaks right to us. And so that's so cool. So today I'm talking about where do you live? Where do you dwell? Because we're going to talk about dwelling. Where do we abide? You know, Dorothy said there's no, there's no place like home, right? And there was a famous uh, author back in the days of after Jesus uh, that this Roman author wrote this, and you've heard it m- many times. Home is where the heart is. You may not. This can any. I'm going to give you. I've got. If I had a prize, I would give it to you. How many even know who said home is where the heart is? Can you tell me his name? I didn't think so. <laughs> Pliny. Say Pliny. Pliny the Elder said that. That's an old saying, isn't it? It's like 100 A.D. Pondy the Elder said, home is where the heart is. He was a, he was a, he was a Roman. Uh, but today we're not going to talk about our physical dwelling. Uh, but if you had a choice, would you rather live in the poorest part of town where, guns, where the, the bullets fly, or would you, live, would you rather live in a gated community? Yeah, yeah. You know, the right kind of gates that actually open when you want to come in and leave. <laughs> that kind of gated community. <laughs> Oh, living in that other one, Pastor, I don't like it. <laughs> they shut the gate, wouldn't let me out. <laughs> but I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about a dwelling place in the physical. Because everybody in here, I, if I ask you where you lived, you would give me an address. Some of you would say, uh, like me, 1510 Shafter. You might say a house or an apartment. Or, or, or you might say, Pastor, I live under the South Chapman Street Bridge. I don't know, because some of you know. I mean, some of you that come here live under the bridge. But you have a place that uh, it's Salvation Army. Uh, many people, they come and they come through this town. They're, they're, they're looking for a place to stay, and we help them get into the Sally. But 
We're not going to talk about a physical dwelling place today. We're going to talk about a spiritual dwelling place. It's much more important that you dwell with God, no matter what kind of mansion you might have on earth. That does not matter. Because you can enter into the secret place of the Most High God living under the bridge, and there will be people out in Bentwood that don't have a clue about the secret place and that they're where they're supposed to be dwelling. So we got to know this this morning, guys. But there are conditions of this. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. You see the declarations there? You see what he's saying? We've got to be be willing to declare that, but we've also got to be willing to change, maybe change our dwelling place. Some of you may be dwelling in the wrong places. And I'm talking about in your spirit, in your mind, in your soulish realm. Where are you dwelling? Where do you spend your time? Where, where, are, you, where are you going in your quiet times or those times that you think they're all, they just belong to you? And God said, no, that's my time. Where are you going? Where are you dwelling? In Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says this. When you pray, when you pray, not if you pray. You hear that? When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is where? In the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Even Jesus refers back to this psalm. He says, we need to get to the secret place. We need to find that place. And some people will go, Pastor, I'm too busy to find that place. Pastor, it's too hard to get to that place. Pastor, I've got 12 kids. Can you imagine me trying to get to a secret place? Pastor, I've got this going on my job. I've got this going on in school. I've got this much homework. I've got, and we can name and list all the distractions that you wanted to, to name this morning. But the truth is, the bottom line is, if you are going to be under the protection of the almighty God, you've got to get to the secret place. You just got to get there. Somebody said, well, how do you get there? Well, I think the number one way you get to, to the secret place, and my wife was sharing this with me this morning, you have to have a desire to get there. If you don't want to get there, guess what? You're not going to get there. You just won't. You've got to have a desire. And then when you get there, here's what you do. It's prayer. It's communing with God. It's not just talking and telling him what you need and what you want and how bad your neighbors are. It's about, God, I'm here Here am I. What do you have to speak to me, God? What do I need to do, God? Do I need to repent? God, I want to be in your presence. I don't want there to be anything between you and me. I want to have this great communication with you, God. Are there any walls? Is there any unforgiveness? Anything that would hinder my fellowship with you, Lord? You get to that secret place through forgiveness. You get to that secret secret place through desire, through hunger. He said, if you hunger after me, you will. He said, I will feed you. If you seek me, you will find me. He wants us to be there with him. Can you imagine the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created all the universe, says, I want to have a relationship with you one-on-one. Does that blow your mind or what? That he wants to spend time with us. Well, God, you know, you've heard all the people, you've heard the people say, well, I think God's just too busy for me. (laughs) He's God. (laughs) He created, was he too busy to create you? No. Was he too busy to form the earth? No. He created you on purpose, believe it or not, for purpose. 
So if, if you think, oh, I just can't go before God, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, he's too busy, I'm too busy. Listen, you can make all the excuses you want to, but I'm going to tell you, would you rather live under the blessings or the curses? The what? Okay, I, I didn't hear one person say curses. Wow, it's amazing. We're all in unity this morning. We want to live under the blessings. So Jesus said, you need to go to the secret place. You need to find me. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. Psalm 27, 5. Listen, when you get to the secret place, here's what's cool about it. Listen, Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he, God, shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Woo! See, some of you are so out there, you're so visible, and the enemies, the darts are coming, you're bam, you're taking these hits all the time. You don't have your shield up, you don't have your armor going because you're not abiding in the secret place. And he says, listen, if you'll come to the secret place, not only will I protect you, I'll hide you. Some of you need to be hidden. Some of you just need to be hidden. But he said, you've got to seek me. You've got to go after me. Verse 2 of Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord, the, of Yahweh, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Wow. How do, we, how do we get to that place of trust? How do we get to that place of finding the secret place? See, it, it, it's about a foundation. When Jesus was talking about a foundation, when he's talking about a dwelling place, let's go to this, this passage that Jesus spoke in Matthew 7. Therefore, those who hear these sayings of mine and does them, say, and does them. Is that a condition? It's not a trick question. Is that a condition? So if, he said, if you hear these sayings of mine and then you do them, he said, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, you know the little song. And the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus Christ. Now, he says, if you pay attention, if you heed what I'm telling you, and then you do what I say to do, does he say then the winds won't come, the rains won't come? He does not, does he? I love that it is well. Even the, even the waves and the wind know his name. <laughs> he, can, he, he can speak to the waves. Matter of fact, you can speak to the waves and the wind because they know the voice of God speaking through you. Isn't that amazing? He says, but if you hear these words and you do them, even though the winds come, anybody have any winds blowing through your life lately? Beat down winds? Knock the shutters off the house kind of wind? Your house? We're a house, the Bible says. You know that? It calls us a building. We're a tabernacle. A lot of, a lot of things. Anybody have any rain beating down? Got some leaks in your roof? Your spiritual roof? Yeah? That's why it's so important that we do what he says to do because he says when those things happen, listen, you may, you may even have a leak in your roof. You may lose a shingle or two, but God says, I am going to be with you because you're founded on the rock, right? Then say we're not going to have these troubles. Then say we're not going to have these trials, but it says the wind blew in the house, on the house and it did not fall because of where it was founded. What's your foundation this morning? Where do you live this morning? Is your house built upon the rock? Or is it built upon the sand? Look at this. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
Anybody ever had buy a house that had a bad foundation? Yeah. You know what you have to do? You got to fix your foundation. Because if you don't fix your foundation, if you don't call this company in and they come in and shore up your foundation, guess what will happen? Your floors will keep cracking. And eventually your house will be destroyed. Everything will be unlevel. It will be like Casa Magnetica at Six Flags. You ever do that? Ever go in that? This is the weirdest thing. Everything's slanting. You're, what's wrong with it? But some, of you, some people's houses are like that because the foundation is weak. Verse 3 of Psalm 91. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Let's just stop right there. He wants to deliver you. That means, you know what it means when it, that word deliver there means to make a way of escape for you. That's pretty cool, isn't it? We just we read the words and oh, he wants to deliver us. That means deliver us to what? No, he wants to make a way for you to escape. He says, because there is a snare that's been set by the fowler. Now, let me explain a fowler. A fowler would be like the devil. How many of you, especially guys, I know some of you women probably haven't done this, but when you were a kid, you, bought, you got a cage, and you propped it up, and you put a stick under it, and then you put some seeds underneath it, like some corn or something, and you tied a little string to the, to the stick, right? How many of you ever did that? Isn't that the coolest thing? That's a snare. That's what you're doing. And you're trying to catch some poor, unsuspecting little critter whether it be a squirrel or a bird, you know, you're just waiting and you're waiting. You don't know what you're going to do with the little critter when you get him anyway, but you're just going to see if you can catch him. And you get back and he's just sauntering in like, oh, man, there's some corn. I laid some corn out for me. And just walk right in there and grab that corn and you. <laughs> but see, that's what the that's a very good picture of the enemy there. He's a fowler, man. He, he plays foul. He doesn't play fair. And he's there to try to ensnare every believer. Listen, a lot of people go, he goes after the sinners all the time. He goes after the lost people. All, no, listen, he goes after Christians. He's already got the others. He didn't mess with them. That'd be a waste of his time. He wouldn't send his demonic force out there to mess with people that are already on his team. He's going after you. He's going after me. So we can, so our witness can be destroyed when we fall into the trap. We are ensnared by the enemy. And we're looking around going, how did I get here? I'm going to tell you how you got there. I'm going to tell you how any of us get there into the trap. And we're not sure. We, we don't know how we got there. It's because we forgot and we quit abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. We, we removed ourselves from his protection. I really believe you can do that. I believe you can say, God, I know I love you. You're great. You're awesome. And he says, well, okay, Earl, I want you to do this. But, God, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do that my own thing. And you step out from under his covering, and then the enemy is waiting right there. He's so tricky. He's waiting right there to, to snare you and to pull you back into whatever it was that God had already rescued you from in the first place. Anybody ever been ensnared? As a Christian, have you ever been ensnared again? Oh, well, so many awesome people here. Just a few. How many of you have been ensnared by the enemy? You've fallen back into sin. Yeah, it's like 95% and the rest of you are lying. And he gives us a picture of, of God as, as a beautiful bird 
that covers us with his feathers like a mother would take her chicks under her wing and protect them. Isn't that beautiful? You just picture God just wrapping his wings around you. And under his wings you shall take refuge. And listen what he says, his truth, say truth. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. So I had to do a word search, Brandy. What's a buckler? I know what a buckle is. I know what a buckler is. Is that a big buckle? Like a WWE buckle? What's a buckler? Sound like a name of a football team, the Oakland Bucklers. Yeah. A buckler is a bigger shield that wraps around you. See the, see the picture he's painting here? He says, I'm going to cover you with my feathers. I'm going to put a shield around you. I'm going to cover you with my wings. And what my wings don't get, the, the buckler's going to get. It's like a shield that wraps around, that covers us. You shall not be, listen, when you do these things, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Joe got up and he said, listen, we are not to be fearful people, even though the terrorists are out there. You know, Mary Lee was sharing, we just heard from another pastor in our city. He had an FBI agent that was a member of his church. And he said, we actually know that there are 72 terrorist cells in our congressional district that we're watching. And we can go, oh, no, what are we going to do? And we say, God, you got this. We're going to trust you in you. We're going to get closer to you. Listen, the more the terror, the closer you ought to get to God. Nor of, we shouldn't be afraid of that, or the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste of, at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. Listen, God doesn't care about numbers like that. He's way bigger than a thousand or ten thousand. Ten thousand at your right, and it doesn't bother God. He can take care of a thousand or ten thousand or ten million. We get upset over two. Did you see what, that guy, did you hear what they No. But it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and you see the reward of the wicked. Listen, there's rewards, both good and bad. I'm going to suggest today that you run into the tower of Jesus Christ. And you get really, really close. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lions and the cobra, the young lion, the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Now, just the first word there. I want you to see the first word, because. Say because. Because. Conditional. Again, it's conditional. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most... Because you've done this, he said, I will do these things. I'm going to tell you, if evil's befalling you, if plagues and pestilence are befalling you, or if, if they're running rampant in your home, somebody's not staying close to God. Moms and dads, listen, it's your job to stay close to God, to in, be entering into that secret place of the Most High God. It's your job to... Look out for your children. Be watchmen on the wall for your family. 
But listen, if you're away from God, if you're rebelling against God, and he says to be doers of the word, and you're not a doer of the word, and you're, do- you're a doer of your own thing, and then these things happen, these calamities happen, listen, it's because of your choices. It's not because God's a bad God. That's an oh me. Oh me. That's not an amen. So be it. We don't want the so be it's there. Just because, because you've made him the Lord, he gives us angels. I kind of like that one. Y'all like angels? How many of you believe there are angels? Angels watching over me. Right? Angels unaware. I've asked this before. How many of you think you've encountered an angel before? Wow. It's so cool. Sometimes they come in human form, don't they? But you can't explain it. Where they come from, where they go. I still believe that my wife had an angel come and help her from what could have been a horrible accident. She had stopped to get the mail. It got pinned in between the mailbox and the car, and the car was moving. And, and she said, out of nowhere, this guy jumps in the car, puts on, puts on the bright. And out of nowhere, he was gone. An angel, possibly. Or just a really fast guy. <laughs> But God, God, he commands his angels. And I've, I happen to believe that when we're born, we have a guardian angel. And I also happen to believe, this is just me, that, that when, we, when we die, that guardian angel escorts us into the presence of God. I don't have a lot of proof for that. I just believe that. But I believe that he has so many angels. He just, I, you know what I think? I think there are just angels that are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Because God's people are not abiding with him. I would give, I would send them, oh, they don't care. Oh, they're doing this on their own. Hmm. They're walking into, oh, angels, I thought I was going to send you, stay. Hmm. We're missing blessings, guys, because we're not abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. We're missing blessings. I remember a commercial, and I could not find it. I looked and looked and looked. It was a tire commercial a few years ago. Some of you may remember it. But it was a tire commercial, and these people had brand-new tires on the car, and, and had the little there were angels on four, at four tires. And this car was going through the countryside. Anybody remember that? They were, little, they were like angels just, you know, going alongside the car. The car was weaving and turning, and the angels were like, whoo, whoo, you know. But then it showed, then it showed the driver of the car hit the passing gear and go, like, way fast. Guess what happened to the angels? They dropped off. Couldn't keep up with a disobedient guy. I thought, that's a very spiritual picture. God says, I'm going to give my angels charge over you, but I've got some conditions. Because you have trusted me, because you have set your heart on me, I'm going to fulfill the promises that I give you. I'm going to give my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You know, some of us fall, we, we, we dash our foot against a stone, we hit the ground, hit the pavement, and bust our head open. Where was our angel? Don't you ever, you ever ask that one? I guess he was doing something else. I don't know, but maybe, just maybe, you were, not, you were outside in the protection of, of the king. Just a thought. You shall tread upon the lions and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. In other words, he's saying, if you, because you've done this, I give you authority over the enemy. How many of you want authority over the enemy? 
Well, then you need to abide under the shelter, under the shadow of the Almighty. Did you know to abide under somebody's shadow, you got to be real close to them? The shadow only falls so far. Now, I know God's big and the shadow's huge, but I'm talking about if you're going to stay close to somebody and get into their shadow, like when they, they wanted to get near enough to Jesus, touch the hem of his garment, they wanted to just get in the, the shadow of Peter so that they could be healed, right? But they had to get close. This is about getting close, church. It's about getting close. And finally, I want us to turn to, to verse 14. This is, this is so cool. God speaks. All this time, he's been saying this, 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 this. But now God says, let me talk to you. Let me, let me, let me give you a word. And God says this, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will make a way of escape for him. Can you put your name there? Because, therefore, because Harold has set his love upon me, I'm going to deliver him. What does it mean to set your love upon somebody? What does it mean? What was God talking about here? Because we have set our love upon him. It's because we have desired, we have longed for, we have loved him just unbelievably. We want everything that he has for us. And when we come to that place and God says, listen, he, he, he is really, he set his love on me. Didn't that get you? In the place when you, man, have I set my love upon the Lord like that lately? Have I really desired to be in his presence? Have I really desired to get into that secret place? He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I'll make a way of escape for him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Just knowing his name, God sets us up on high. You know what that means to me? That means we are seated in the heavenly places with him. That means that when we abide in him, all the junk of the world that's passing underneath us, just pretend that it's all on that floor and he elevates me and I can look below and go, wow, God, thank you for delivering me from all of that crud. He wants us to be on a different level. We're not supposed to be down in the muck in the mire and living, oh, whoa, it's me. Da, 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 you just walking with chains on our feet, just barely getting by. Oh, Jesus, I love you. you know, that's, not, that's not who we should be. We should be above that. And he says, because you have set your love upon me, I will set you up. Don't you, don't you, how many of you want to be lifted up by the Lord? Listen, not only does he do that, listen to this, it gets better. He, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Listen, we have a direct line with him. Because we have set our love upon him. Man, we can go to him at any moment, any time into that secret place. He said, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. And I couldn't even get over this one, Randy. He says, and honor him. God honors me? Are you kidding me? God honors us? The word, another word for honor that glorifies. Does that amaze you that God, the creator, says, Harold, because you've set your love on me, I want to honor you. Whoa. If that doesn't humble you, nothing will. Because that's how we get lifted up is when we're humbled. So I know when God honors us and glorifies us, he sees knows because it's our heart of humility. He says he gives grace to the humble. He lifts us up. And the last promise in this beautiful psalm with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I'm, I'm going to be 64 in November. 
And I think I've got so much life to live. People say, well, 65, you can retire? Baloney. Are you kidding me? I've got breath in my lungs. You want me to retire? Are you kidding me? So you can get that big fat paycheck from the United Internal Revenue Service or whatever that is, uh, Social Security. I'm telling you, there's no, so, there's no security in social. <laughs> Some of you are going, what? <laughs> my security's in him. Your security's in him. He says, if, if you will put, set your love upon me, I want to give you a long life. I want to satisfy you. Man, don't you want to go through life being satisfied? I do. That's, that's where that contentment that Paul's talking about in Philippians comes from. That, that you're satisfied. You're walking with the Lord. You're in his presence. You, you're hearing his voice. And you're just in, you're in that secret place of the most high God. And he delivers us and helps us escape all the plans and all the snares and all the tricks of the enemy. That's where I want to be. I'm not there yet. I'm not there 24-7. I want to get there. I doubt that anybody's there 24-7. But that should be our goal, to be in his presence, seeking his face. Would you stand this morning? I know we're way past time. Again, we have a 9 o'clock service. You know, we quit on time. Do we have a, the ministry team here this morning? Again, God wants to bless you with so many awesome things. And the reality of his blessings is it's your choice if you want to receive them or not. It's your choice if you want to be obedient or not. Where are you dwelling this morning? If home is where your heart is, who abides in your heart today? We just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the psalm. I thank you for your word. Wow, it's so encouraging, Lord. That you don't just create us and kick us out of the, the nest. Say, I hope you can make it. You say, if you'll abide with me, I promise you'll make it. The law says he started a good work in us and he will bring it to completion. He's in the completion business. Jesus said it at the cross. It's finished. And what he's asking, guys, for, for what the trade-off is just it's unbelievable. The, the, the great deal he's making us. He said, if you'll abide with me, I will bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. So this morning, if you're not abiding with him, this altar's open. Maybe you just want to come up here and kneel and say, Lord, I'm so sorry I haven't been abiding with you. Here's the, here's, the, here's the answer to that one, church. It's repentance. It's, Lord, I'm so sorry I have not been hanging out with you like I should have. I'm so sorry I haven't been in, in, that, in the secret place with you. I want to get back there, Lord. Help me get back there. And, Lord, for those times that I've been away and all the, the calamities come, I blamed you, Lord. It's not your fault. You love me. You love me so much. It's unbelievable. So this morning, maybe that would be your heart just to repent and say, I want to get back where I'm supposed to be. I want to be back under the protection, under the blessing. And I want to receive everything God has for me. If that's your, if that's your heart this morning, I just ask you to step out and come.
you just kneel at this altar. You don't even have to be, you don't even have to have a ministry team pray for you. Just come and kneel at this altar this morning if you would like to just repent and say, God, I'm going to get back to that place. I want to get back there. You know what? It's not a, it's not a confession of that you're a terrible person. It's a confession that I need you, Lord, more than anything. Just step out and come. We got plenty of time, guys. Just step out and come. But if you need specific prayer for salvation, for healing, uh, if you feel God's calling you to be a part of this church, we have a ministry team up here that you just go walk right up to them, and they will take you, and they will take you to a prayer room and just visit with you and pray with you without any interruptions or any, any noise coming from up here. So if you need prayer, individual prayer, Maybe, maybe you've gotten a bad diagnosis this week and you really want to be prayed for. Maybe you've tried all the doctors and the word says try Dr. Jesus. Maybe you would do that this morning. He would, he would speak to you. And I, I want to thank all of you guys for praying for me. Uh, I had my doctor's appointment this week. The doctor said, you know what, Harold, let's not do anything. Let's just, he said, God created you that way and you're good. And uh, he said, if anything needs to be done in the future, we're ready, but you're good. Your kidneys are good. You're healthy. When other doctors told me they weren't. And I believe the power of prayer has, has been so awesome to bring healing into my body. But he wants to do that in your body, too. He wants to heal you today. So anybody needs prayer for healing, we've got, look, we've got, we got a whole bunch of ministry team up here that needs somebody to pray for. So, Father, this morning, just break down any barriers of fear. It says, I've been before to the altar and I've been prayed for and nothing's happened. That today they would go, this is the first time I'm going again. Like it's the first time to receive Christ, to receive healing, to receive whatever you have for me. May this be the day that you, you would surrender to God in a really very special way. Say, God, I want to get to that secret place. Just step out and come. I'm going to wait about one more minute. 